This is Francis Ford Coppola talking about The Godfather. The Godfather? Well, it's sort of astonishment that 50 years have gone by. A lot of these memories are still pretty vivid in my mind. I was about 29 when I began preparing The Godfather, and in the course of the years involved in making it and editing it, I guess I was in my very early 30s. Nothing about what my life was like remained the same after The Godfather. Certainly that film changed everything for me. But let's be frank here. You never wanted my friendship. And uh, you were afraid to be in my debt. I didn't want to get into trouble. I understand. I could easily be described as penniless before I made the film. My father was a musician, so my childhood was pretty much raised in the shadow of my father's career, and we all wanted him to get his big break. My brother was wanted to be a novelist, and, and I wanted to be the junior version of whatever my brother was. So all this ultimately leads to me getting involved in theater, and then from theater I became involved as a UCLA film student, partly because my brother had gone to UCLA. Ultimately, nothing was to prepare to the experience of The Godfather. Number one, it was a terrible experience. I was always on the verge of about to get fired, and, and a lot of my choices were immediately discarded. I wanted Al Pacino to play the character Michael, and they said, that's ridiculous. No one's ever heard of him. And I wanted Marlon Brando to be the now famous Don Corleone, and they said, oh, he's a lot of trouble, and he, no one's going to see his films anymore. I wanted to make it in New York. They said, you can't make it in New York. It's too expensive. I wanted to make it set in 1945, the way the book was. They said, it's ridiculous. You can't do it. You can't have it. You can't do it. And this is then... This is a terrible movie to the point where at least four occasions I came that close to getting fired. And then surprise was surprise. It turns out to be this gigantic success. And suddenly I became this famous person, which in itself is also another thing to deal with. So I have to say to you that the 50 years ago, having made The Godfather, definitely changed my life in many, many ways for the better, but certainly in many also confusing ways in terms of my relationship with my idol, who was my brother, and my father, who I did have the pleasure of standing next to when he won an Oscar for the second Godfather. That was a real thrill. So all I can say to you is it was interesting. And this is Required Watching, where we watch the essential films from the list of cinematic influencers and look at them through the lens about learning about filmmaking and how to move forward. I'm your host, Trey Epps. And today, <laughs> today we're talking about the aging patriarch of an organized crime dynasty in post-war New York City, who transfers control of his clandestine empire to his reluctant youngest son. The director of this film is Francis Ford Coppola. This was written for screenplay by Mario Puzo and Francis Ford Coppola, starring Marlon Brando, Al Pacino, James Caan. I, I honestly feel like I can go on and on about who stars in this movie. But this, this is The Godfather. I refused to be a fool. Dancing on the string, held by all those big shots. I don't apologize, that's my life, but I... But when it was your time that... That you would be the one to hold the strings. Been on our list for years. The reason that I'm watching it now is because... You've got mail kind of prompted me. Uh, 
it's quoted everywhere and is easily one of the top five films of everyone's like list. Every white guy will quote it here, there, and everywhere and do a terrible Marlon Brando impression time and time again. And <laughs> the scenes are paid homage and parodied, and I've never seen it. Okay, so I know I know that may sound strange, but I've seen bits, I've seen pieces of the entire series, but I've never sat down from the beginning and watched The Godfather. Before before you go to the mattresses with me, this movie is hella long. Do you know how long this movie is? So long. And number two is even longer. And I hate gangster and mob movies. There are certain there are certainly certain types of movies I don't like. Call it a preference, if you will. Gangster and mob movies are one of them. Same way, like, slave movies are one of them. And, like, army movies, like, movies about war and stuff like that, I will... Like, all these movies I will see with an exception. They all have their own asterisks. But I generally don't, like, beeline it to the theater when these kind of movies come out. Or to watch on my computer or on TV or whatever. Like Scarface, I watched that in high school and I don't get it. I don't understand why people love this movie so much. It's hot garbage. Let's be clear. I will watch it again and I will be I will love to watch it with someone who loves this movie so they can explain to me why they love it and I can explain to them why I hate it. But I'm open-minded with movies always. I didn't like it on the first go around. Anyways, that's not about Scarface. <laughs> All of that to say is I will not apologize for not seeing this fully, <laughs> which is wild. I, I shouldn't. I should apologize. I'm sorry, moviegoers and fan and film buffs from around the world. I should have watched The Godfather decades ago. I should have watched it when it came out in 1972, but I did. Here we are. I, <laughs> okay. I really loved The Godfather. <laughs> All of that said, I really, I really, really enjoyed it. One thing I encourage is for people to look at the filmographies of actors. I feel like I've been saying this over and over again. Looking at Al Pacino in in 2022 and looking at Al Pacino in The Godfather in 1972 are probably the widest array of an actor that you can get performances of, of, of I mean, the lives, the lives that we lead that inform our performances, the deep and gravelly way our voice, our, at least for males, our voices get as we get older, certainly for Al Pacino, his charm, his charm as a, as a young man is, is different, is so different from his charm as a, as a however old he is now in 2022, it's it's incredible to see and it's incredible to acknowledge. And I didn't, I I just didn't get, I just didn't get it. I didn't get it until now. And I think there's a bit of magic that happens. And with all the stars that are in this film, I shouldn't. I, 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 again, I don't know their history, right? So they may not even have been stars until this film came out, until they landed a role in this film, and that's why we can point to it and go. Here are the 17 actors that are in this film, and here's why, you know, and, and, and here's how they got their boost, or at least were able to create this longevity, because this movie holds so much weight in the minds of so many people, and I think it's because of its, like, off-screen, call it, call it the don't worry darling of its day, where it's like the, the making of and the lead-up to this film was so embroiled in, in drama that once it actually landed its punch with its premiere, and satisfied 
the, the trillions of people who watched it, it it really cemented something for everyone that was involved. And and to go back to my main point of of watching these young actors here in this film is is encouraging. Is encouraging to watch like the growth. It's encouraging to see and I, I say this quite sincerely, it's encouraging to see something that's different from what we have today. We, I think we're very much used to the movie star today, the people who don't need to put much effort into the, the characters that they're playing, who are essentially themselves in every role. And we all know those kinds of actors. Sometimes it, you know, they rest on their laurels, and sometimes they really go fully, fully into it. But watching, especially watching these movies from decades ago, and then realizing where they are now, like, I, I, I don't know if Al Pacino plays the same character he has in the last five movies or like doesn't really put himself into it. But if he did, would we mind? I, 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 I don't know. I, I lost the plot. I, I don't know what I'm trying to say. But I, think, I, I do think it's an interesting way to look back and, and, and see how far people have come. I mean, look at Sofia Coppola, right? She started out as a baby in this movie. And say what you will about Godfather 3, I haven't seen it, so I don't care. But she, she went from being a baby in this film and, and acting and, and having these roles shout out to what we do in the shadows but also just directing and and having this I, th- I think she's had a lot of growth from obviously being a child in in the godfather's movies to 2022 where she's made some some really great films and been in some some great things so it, it's where it's where i don't know i i, th- I think that there's an era of, of filmmaking that is dedicated to maybe the cat maybe it's like characters maybe characters aren't aren't as prominent now as they once were obviously i mean like people who are like so distinct and different like this movie has distinct and different people that i think starts this trend of scarface starts this trend of goodfellas so it's this trend of like these these mob gangster movies that may all look the same as a whole but when you start to look at them as individual pieces they are very, very different. You know, Scarface is different from Michael Corleone. It's, 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 it's apples and oranges. But I, I'm not sure if we are creating these kinds of characters that actors can sink their teeth into now. I'm not saying we we aren't exactly, but I'm saying I I, I, I ponder I ponder if that's true. either way. I I think I think what also I gravitated to was a father and son relationship. This is what I think about when looking back on the film. It's, it's really soaked in nuance that requires additional watches. There are big sequences of murders and heads and, and you know, horse heads and, 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 and beds. But I think, this is, I think this is labeled as maybe a, a mobster gangster movie. But the thing that stuck out to me was... was about the Don trying to maintain order and protect his family and having to hold his son, Michael, to a higher standard. Like, that's something, maybe it's the father in me, but that's something that I really hung on to was that, let's be honest, Michael doesn't have much to do for a big chunk of this film. But when he has this conversation with his father, very much towards the end, about, like, I was hoping that you could be a senator, hoping you could be mayor, hoping that you could be a governor. It's that, you know, he pushed him away from this whole thing. He told him to go to the army or whatever it was and try to keep him out of all of this so he can live this better life. And I think that is... So it's... it's that's so like That in itself is so much to hold on to for the character of Michael that I think one of the things that I will cha- I would have changed about this film is 
is being able to explore those relationships because I'm not, we, we had so much other business to attend to that we weren't able to really get into the relationships of people. And a lot was inferred and it's fantastic that it was inferred. And maybe, maybe it's even better that we didn't get too involved. But I wonder from the, the book, because of course this is the adaptation, I wonder how much that was, um, how much we really get into the, like the regular everyday lives, these relationships, not just the, the mobster business. You know what I mean? Let's talk fun facts. Marlon Brando insisted that reading his lines during the take would increase his spontaneity and it made his lines sound less canned. He was quoted as saying, if you have a general idea of what the words are and then you look off to the card, it gives you the feeling, it gives the feeling to the viewer that the person is really searching for what he's trying to say. And yeah, that makes like, that makes perfect sense. I, I think if he's he, he's been been to, <laughs> the story goes that he's been doing this for quite some time, and of course, is, Marlon Brando is a revered actor, so I think it makes so much sense. And I think to have him know to have Marlon Brando know his instrument is you know his body, his, his what, what will make the lines flow out of his mouth is really indicative of how mindful he was to giving the best performance. Now, I'm sure, I'm sure if Jennifer Lawrence said the same thing right now, we'd be like, what a diva. But I do think, I do think oh, that's probably super sexist as well, right? Because whatever, we won't get, we won't go in there. But I do think having those kinds of accommodations for your performance, being able to get into those zone, there's a whole big conversation about being a method actor this year. And I, I say what you want about it. I think there is something about being able to cast someone and and know that they can deliver the performance and also being able to allow them to give you that performance. This is just fun fact. So I'm not going on and on. The horse head was real. That reaction from the actor, I forget his name, was very real. They practiced with a fake horse head. And of course, during the shoot, they threw a real one in. So gross and traumatizing. If you're thinking about who else could have possibly been in this film, we have Warren Beatty, Dustin Hoffman, Robert De Niro, who ends up in the second one, which is wild. And Jack Nicholson, who wanted to be in this film as as Michael Cullen. If we're looking for scene stealers, I have none. I have no scene stealers. I If I had to pick a scene stealer out of thin air, I would say this. The kids. The kids were great. I, the ki- yeah, I think the kids were... I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know what I'm saying. Whatever. If we're looking for... How I would make this better, I would say I would change one thing. A couple of things, actually. One, and I this is part this is a part of the show that I usually say in jest, but I think quite seriously, I was a bit confused about time jumping. There's all there's so much time that passes in this film that that it's hard for me to hold to hold on to certain things. I think if it, it felt very much that Michael had his like his his first wife in Italy died, and then the very next scene it wasn't literally the next scene, but the, you know a couple of scenes later he was back in America. He said he was there for a year, but we never see that. So the very next scene that we see him in in America, him telling Kay that he loves her and he wants to marry her and give her babies, and it felt like it was a missed opportunity to, I, I think, get more insight into Michael. I think I think what happens very quickly, and I think quite understandably, when his father gets shot, is that he goes from 
you know, he was never like this flamboyant opening up his heart and soul and vulnerabilities to everyone, but he felt a lot more relaxed. Uh, and then when he, when he's slowly being dragged into the family business, he's becoming more and more and more reserved. And I would have loved to have had a, at least a scene where someone's like, are like, you sure you want to, are you sure you want to marry this, this woman? Like you just saw your wife get blown up or just something of the sort I think would have been really really great to have seen just to acknowledge that he is purposefully as a character not you know making a choice to bury that deep down because it just it just felt so it felt strange that he wanted to like marry this girl to begin with and it felt strange that he then watched her die and then wanted to bury Kay again it just it just felt it, it felt hard to to maintain and I think that's because there have been time jumps in this film that are hard at least for me, to have been able to track. And I wonder, again, I wonder how much time actually went by, but neither here nor there. Um, is this movie required? Yeah, of, of course it is. Despite my resistance on watching it, of course this is a great a great movie to watch and to learn a lot about. Again, if you, if you uh, there's a show with Miles Teller that I did not watch, but uh, there's a show about like all the behind-the-scenes drama. Of course, there are books and stories online about what what took place before and during the making of this film and uh and of course we have the like, the final product again i think it's really good despite the drama there have been people who made a lot of decisions to make this movie happen and without any one of them this movie wouldn't have been as good like this movie is an epic i didn't know that it was made to be one film it is made to be one film and somehow we got three out of them. And the sequel of this film <laughs> was released two years later. Guys, I need to let you know, if you, if, you, if you aren't a kid of the 90s, I have a distinct memory of, like, <laughs> I loved the Spice Girls when I was young. I, listen, I still love the Spice Girls, so don't come for, don't come for me if you, if you do it just like this. But I remember watching Spice World in the theater, and as soon as I left, I said to myself, I'm go- I, I, I cannot wait to be able to watch this on VHS. And I tracked every month or whatever it was when they released, like, what titles would be released that month on VHS. And I swear to you, it it felt like a year and a half, two years before these movies, before these movies were on VHS. So for a movie in 1972, for a movie that came out in 1972 to get a sequel that came out in 1974 is astronomically, like, just, it's just batshit crazy. and yet, and yet, I felt, I, and yet, I still feel that the the first, the, the obviously the original is a very complete story. It's a slice of of time that that you know we it follows Michael's journey from coming back from a war or army or whatever the heck it is, and and until him rising through the ranks, right? And it's so it's so impactful and. I think when you know that there's a sequel, at least my standards of what a sequel is in the modern world, I thought everything was just leading up to the sequel and there'd be loose ends and all that stuff. So I was really, I was actually kind of disappointed in the end because of that. But then I realized that just research and realized that it was meant to be one complete story and I recontextualized what I had watched and it allowed me to favor the movie a, a bit more, to be perfectly honest, because, um, like I, I understood that the, the, any any questions that I had to be answered 
either were never going to be answered or I could have found it in that chunk of time. So super, just super brilliant. A super brilliant film that reserves my watches. Listen, I know it doesn't happen often, but it is important opportunity to know that you're telling the story that you want to tell. Now that I watched the film knowing there was a sequel, I think I should maybe watch the other one. Will this be the first time I watch a two-part movie? I don't know. I won't, I won't watch The Godfather 3, just to be clear. I, if, I, if, I, if I do watch The Godfather 2, it'll be a labor of love because people often say that part two is their favorite Godfather, and I think that's an interesting choice. I will never watch 3. So, will I watch The Godfather 2? Do you want to hear me talk about The Godfather 2? Please let me know. I think with some support, I can get through it because that movie is longer than this movie and I, I, I need some love. Anyways, that's it. Thank you so much for listening. Required Watching is a film club, so please like, comment and let's engage and chat about these films. My voice is not the only voice that should be heard. It should be you as well. So find us on social media and let's chat and chop it up. But of course, make sure you download, subscribe, and do all that nonsense. It will really, really help us out. And you know what? Let's start with this film. Let's let's give away some stuff. I haven't figured out what that is at this moment, but they'll be they'll like, leave a comment, leave a comment and a review. And in the next week or the first week of January, we will do a very big giveaway and pick a few winners out for some random items. So thanks so much for listening again. It's been a pleasure. Until next time, peace out.